Today on the podcast, we explore the question, how can I help students see themselves as readers? Here are your hosts, Dr. Jamie Collins, Natalie Davey, and Rachel Evans. Welcome back to Teachers Changing Teaching. I'm Jamie Collins. I'm Rachel Evans. And I'm Natalie Davey. And we are so glad you're here. All right, Rachel, we've got a question. This is our question podcast where we are going to um, listen to a question posed by Rachel and then we are going to blow it up. Blow it up means we are going to explore um, the story behind the question, our experiences, our understandings, and the complications, so that when we explore the solutions, we have solutions that are actual solutions to the real problems, not just Band-Aids, right? And not just babysitting moments to try to get through. But really, um, what's the story behind the question so that we can really um, become effective practitioners in our classrooms? Rachel, what's the question? Okay, the question I'm posing, how can I help students see themselves as readers? How can I, wait, say it again. How can I help students see themselves as readers? How can I help students see themselves as readers? Okay, Natalie, thoughts? So some of the first things that I think of are how we automatically position first in our classrooms the problem of we automatically assume that students have some sort of reading identity rather than even talking about what a reading identity is or addressing a hatred towards reading rather than even um, like, how can I help my students see themselves as readers? But thinking like, what if they don't see themselves as a reader at all? I'm imagining right now a mistake that, well, I don't know if it's a mistake. You guys tell me my first, when I was teaching originally, sometimes I would give students a reading assignment. Like, I know we hate it. Let's just Mm. fight through it. Right. Anybody else do that? Yeah. I don't know if that's right or wrong because own it. Mm. They hate it. Mm. Let's be honest. But I don't, I should, I mean, should I be talking about reading like that in my classroom? I know this is hard. Let's just do it. Mm. Let's fight through it like vegetables. Yeah. Right. That's, that's problematic. Mm. Go ahead, Natalie. What else were you saying? Oh, um, I, I also wonder too, when we position students in our classrooms and we have that question, like, how do I help my students see themselves as readers? What type of reader am I talking about? Yeah. Am I talking about a content reader of the work that we're doing in my classroom? Right. Or am I talking about reading as the discipline of reading through a novel? Am I talking about the discipline of reading social media, reading environments, reading people? What type of... What do I mean by reading? Right. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Well, let me add a layer there of um, just some theoretical, some theoretical components. We have the transactional understanding from Rosenblatt from the 70s, which um, I know we talked about this in class. We also talked about this recently. But this idea that students read, um, do efferent reading, reading for information, and they do aesthetic reading, reading for the experience of the text. Mm-hmm. And I, and it's almost imagine on one side of a pendulum is the efferent and another side is the aesthetic. And we often don't talk about reading like that. And we don't provide skills and support to students, how to read for content. I am not going to read a manual on how to fix my bike and have an experience of literature. Mm. I won't. Mm. Now, someone who's a mechanic, someone who's a technical writer and who, who really gets a lot of the text 
could. So that's where it gets kind of dicey because the person in the text kind of determines that. But I don't think students are even talked with about those kinds of reading. Like Mm -hmm. you're saying, I'm assuming that you are going to read this novel and we're just going to love it. Or I'm assuming that you're going to read this test prep excerpt and get what you need to content wise to answer the multiple choice questions. So I think that within that question, how do I support my students? How do I help them see themselves as readers? What kind of reader are they? Are they reading for content Mm -hmm. and information or are they reading for aesthetics and the experience? And I would argue that our standardized testing approach and a lot of our classrooms are content or information kind of sometimes disguised in a cool activity, but it's still content and information that we really struggle with there's pendulum on the other side of aesthetics. Right. Now there's a lot of problems. There's been a lot of different research and different thoughts and ideas coming out, challenging this, you know, these binaries, but it gives us something to think about mm-hmm. Yeah. as far as aesthetic reading. I know that I was never, I only experienced aesthetic reading as a reader when I was in high school, when I was reading, not in the classroom. Right. Right. A book that I found, a book that I had. Um, something at home. Right. So that aesthetic reading is not a part of our repertoire, mm-hmm. I would say. Well, and I'm even wondering if as teachers, it's a part of our repertoire. Right. Oh, how much do oh. we just read to, to get information? And especially being a newer teacher coming out of grad school, I, with the time I have, I'm just now starting to read again two years after grad school for the experience of enjoying it and for mm-hmm. Just like reading. Yeah, absolutely. And here I am in a classroom talking to my students about like, here's why you should be a reader and here's why books are great. And I'm like, I read like five books last year. Yes. Yeah. For me to read and why? Well, and that's, and this is my number one thing that I thought of first when you pose this question is first and foremost, teachers need to see themselves as readers, right? If we do not see ourselves as readers, we cannot invite students to the club (laughs) <laughs> you know, be the gatekeeper, be the individual, be the person that represents readers and says, come be a part of the world of readers. Right. Yes. Because I think students are sitting in our classrooms who say, I don't have what it takes to be a reader. Right. I don't know what a good reader is. And I, I don't know what it is that I know that I'm not it. Mm-hmm. I don't have the skills. I don't have the ability I was this person next to me who carries Harry Potter around through school was born a reader. Right. I was not. Um, and I think that's a really missed or a really challenging component and a missed opportunity for us as teachers to help them realize that it's not a born with or born not with mm. um, trait, but it comes from being confident. I'm a confident reader and I want to invite you into the world of, of being a reader. And even how we model to our students what it looks like in our own brains to switch from like the efferent to the aesthetic. Like why am I reading this text and able to just like pick up on the information really quickly and not enjoy the text at all. Right. Because it's not the purpose because I'm reading it for a test. Cause that is a skill. That is a skill that like I had to learn as a reader. Yes. Versus when I'm reading a novel, why does it feel different? Why do I, why do I even like sit in different places in my house while I'm reading a novel? Yeah. Why do I set aside time or turn off my phone when I'm reading something important? Why does the environment matter? Why does the time of day matter? All of those different aspects. Oh, yeah. Like, do I even talk to my students 
about how that piece of their reading brain operates. Right. I don't think I'd do it as often as I certainly could in my classroom. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Talking about this world of being a reader. Mm, yeah. Not the act of reading, but this world of being a reader. Mm-hmm. And all the things that come with it, like Rachel is saying, the times where I'm not very interested in reading or it's challenging for me to want to read for pleasure. Why do those times come in my life? Or um, I'm so- Imagine a student, I would be shocked if I heard my English teacher say, sometimes I don't like to read. Oh. Or sometimes I struggle reading. Yeah. At the beginning of the year, when I told students that I started a book and then I didn't like it and I turned it in, they're like, wait, you didn't finish that book? I was like, no, I didn't like it. So I turned it in. Guess what? Other books. There are millions more. And look, in school especially, you have to read certain things. Yes. So I want you to hear, hey, if you don't like something, turn it in. Yes. Because there are other times in life where you don't have that option, unfortunately. Right. Right. So then I guess my question would be like, how do we build time into our classrooms Mm. for that? For the, yeah, we have to read To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I want you to read read something that that you've chosen, that you've selected as a reader. Right. That whole uh, student choice of a book. Yes. How do we... How do we support students in reading the texts of our classrooms? And then how do we bring in other texts, student-selected texts, and enjoy the reading of those? Mm-hmm. And at what level, the text in our classroom, do we read them for the aesthetic versus the efferent? Well, and how do you assess the aesthetic? I mean, just to be, you know, realistic, how did you feel? Well, and if you, <laughs> when you read the, aesthetic, the book, does that then ruin the aesthetic? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, and I in this uh, take it a step back shows how we think about reading in the in the schools, right? Right. We have privileged a kind of reading, we have defined reading, and we have uh, built assessments and built whole curriculum and whole concepts of learning around this assumed way of reading, and within that too, there are layers of Society, class, background, I mean, all the things, socioeconomic background, all of that, which is, which is very problematic. Um, but it's not, I think the challenge, one of the challenges with this is how do we come to this question of readers and really speak to students about where they really are? Right. Yeah. How do we find out where they really are? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking about. I know. That was one of the things that I wrote down too, was just like discussions around how, like just even very basic, but just how they feel towards reading. A book. A book. Yeah. How do you feel about the time that it takes to read? Right. When you first hear that you're going to read a book in class, what do you feel? (laughs) I mean, yeah. Well, and then the whole process of um, fighting for space in our curriculum, I think this kind of goes back to what yes. um, you were talking about, Rachel, fighting for space in our curriculum to, or in our days to allow students to choose their own text and bring them in and read them. Mm-hmm. And what do we do with them? 
And then how do we establish, okay, we're reading To Kill a Mockingbird. How much time do I spend on trying to help you develop an aesthetic experience with To Kill a Mockingbird? Yep. And how much I'm like, no, you just need to know the progression of the plot. Right. Because that's the standard. Right. We right. have to know plot. Right. I feel like, too, it's been like I go off of experience with teachers who modeled those two worlds really well of of modeling like this genuine joy and excitement towards reading. Yeah. And then at the same time, also being able to say, now, this is what is happening in the story or like this is what's going on in the plot or this is how this character is developing. Oh, Jamie is thinking things. Well, keep going. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Great. One of the things I wrote down is the, the challenges that I see with this question is yeah. how do we, how do we help students get, trust them to get meaning from text mm. also help them get meaning from text, but not in like the English professory. I'm right. I don't take offense to that. Thank you. (laughs) The professor at the table. (laughs) You shouldn't be offended. No. Yes. No. And yes. No. And yes. No. And yes. Go on. Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking about, you guys keep talking. I'm, I'm going to keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the motion. But like, what are we at on time? Uh, 13 just, minutes. 13 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So we need to like maybe another minute or two. Okay. <laughs> We're all done. Okay. Beautiful. I feel like you have things swirling. I do. Swirling. I, have, I have a lot of things swirling. The problem is, is they're so... Um, like they're half thoughts and they're not quite formulated and I don't even know quite what they are, but I'm, I'm feeling this frustration of what we've turned reading into. Yeah. In our classrooms. Right. Yeah. <laughs> me too now. <laughs> all of a sudden, yes, it's me like too. It's like come crashing down. <laughs> like this, like. What did, I, people, did people just like read stuff before that we had school? Right. And read stuff in humanities court. Like, did they just, what did they do? Well, or, and before, did they, did they actually have time to, did, was there room to say, I don't actually understand that. And I may not for a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to sit in that space. Yes. And then revisit. Yes. Yeah. Versus like, I have to know right now on this worksheet. Right. What I think. Well, instead of With surveying. Yeah, Like surveying schools and the kind of reading that we're doing and creating an assessment, an assessment was made and we're having to format how we're teaching students to read so that they can do well in the standardized assessment, standardized test. And that's also challenging because reading is turned into a chore instead of this, this, uh, creative, intellectual, critical experience, which is what it is in my, and that's, that's completely my perspective. Reading. I mean, people read and it changes them. Mm. Yes. We write things and people read them and the world changes. It has an effect on the world. Right? It has an effect. And I, and I just don't think that we think about and see reading like that in the classroom. Right. No No matter what content you're in. You, you teach this story to teach the standards. Yes. Right. Right. We're going to read this, not this transformative 
third space of being inside someone else's experience. And we're able to be changed from that. Because of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, fill out this little worksheet so you can be ready to take. Utilitarian. It's utilitarian. Mm. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Well, but what, so to to circle back to the question. Yes. Good. Good. You. You didn't ask, how do we get students to read? That's true. You asked, how do we get students to see themselves as readers? Mm. And we can do something about that. Certainly. Right? We can do something about empowering students to take on that persona in our classroom. Can't we? Yes. 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 That sounds great. I believe that does yes, sound we, great. Yes, we do have agency there. Just right. Like all of the metal things. Right. Right. There, there are these different components and there are these constant swirling questions, but those questions are what make us and cause us to be intentional, empathic, effective, critical teachers, which is what they need in order to become readers mm. and to see themselves as readers. Right. So stay tuned for our answers. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Teachers Changing Teaching. When you discuss reading, are you considering it as only words printed on a page? How can you help foster the growth of reading identities in your classroom? We hope you have a great week and we're in this with you.